thank you for your interest and uh, being faithful to, to the last. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I'm really very excited to be here uh, talking to, uh, to Senzeni. We've been wanting to do this since two or three years, mm -hmm. and uh, we've made a few attempts uh, at different places in London, in New York, in Venice. Uh, mm -hmm. We never managed, so it had to be London. And yeah. I'm really uh, welcome, Thank first you. of all. <laughs> and uh, it's because, I mean, there are, as, a, as an exhibition maker, I don't know how other colleagues work, but I am always on the lookout for things I don't know and for people I don't know, for practices I don't know. Because this is what actually, because I find comfort in the unknown, so to speak. So, uh, and the way I, uh, I met Senzeni's work uh, was exactly through these meanderings of the unknown and uh, through this uh, uh, search for, I hate the word new so as much as I hate the word ra radical because I think they are totally overrated and they don't really get to the point of what we try to explain or we try to signify through them. But uh, uh, what I want to, to, to get at is that when I, when I, when I was exposed to, uh, to Senzeni's work, I was immediately struck by its intensity by its uh, uh, profundity and by its, uh, by lack of a better word, radical stance. And, uh, and I was very surprised by the fact that uh, by then I hadn't heard of her anywhere, never saw her name, uh, Heard, no, no, heard of her from another colleague or mm. ran into her in a catalog or mm. anywhere else. And I was like, I was so intrigued. I was like, either she's so secretive or I'm not doing my job well. <laughs> you know, so because she could not have had such a practice in being, uh, doing what she's doing for so many years and that I haven't, I've never heard of her. I really felt kind of like uh, compelled and obliged to do to, to research on her and to look her up and find her. So, and this is what I did. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and since then we've become great friends and uh, oh. um, I really hope that uh, I will be able to do a, a a real exhibition with, uh, with Senzeni soon and uh, with a real publication, but we start with a conversation. Yeah. Right. So um, I think that in order to, uh, to, to let the audience really understand who you are, I will not make like, a, I'm anti-academy, even though mm -hmm. I run an academy. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe you can run us through some of your works and some of your processes okay. and then Later, I will, I will, we will have, uh, I mean, I will talk to you about certain points that I see as very important in what you do. All right. Um, okay, this image, <clears throat> in 2015, okay, I started um, a project in 2013 uh, called, uh, okay, let me go back to 2003, it's easier that way. Um, my mother, who is schizophrenic, um, has this habit of wearing one dress for a very long time, and then she throws them out. So I started collecting her dresses in 2013 and trying to retrace a step through Joburg. Um, and then that work was captured in photographs, and it appeared on 10 Years 100 Artists um, publication. So I went on a lot of exhibitions because of that work and traveled quite extensively. And when I was struggling to resolve that work, I started doing narratives of it on embroidery, you know, on possible journeys uh, that my mother could take if she could leave the house, because she never leaves our house, um, because she's scared of what lies uh, beyond the gate. 
Um, and she certainly witnessed a lot of traumas in the 60s when she came to Joburg. So her story really becomes the beginning of this Theodora comes to Joburg. Um, so after I did a lot of embroidery uh, in between then, where I was also trying to tell stories of other black women like Sarah Bartman, um, and also looking at black dolls as well. And then in 2013, I decided to pick up again Theodora Comes to Joburg. But then now I was, I'd read again The Great Expectations. And I don't know, for those of you who have not um, read the book, um, sorry, the slides couldn't, couldn't come, my computer. Um, and I was intrigued by this character in Great Expectations, Miss Havisham, who gets abandoned at the altar um, early in the morning by who was supposed to be a future husband. But she stays in this dress endlessly. She becomes bitter, and she tries to redeem herself. But she surrounds herself with a lot of decay because the cake stays in the dinner table and the breakfast. You know? So a lot of things remain the same as she waits again for this man who, when I was reading the book, I kept on thinking that he was going to return to her. And, um, and certainly for me, it had a lot of impact I guess when I was forming um, the new work. And then there's the book of Njabulo Ndebele. I've read this book so many times. Um, it's about these four women that wait for their husbands to return, but under very different circumstances. One goes to the mine, uh, other one is in jail, other one goes overseas, and other one is just emotionally aloof. He's not emotionally available. He's a drunkard and he sleeps around. But all of them, because of the trauma that they go through, begin to have these imaginary conversations with Winnie Mandela about her own weight, which was very public and very humiliating at times for her. You know? And she certainly waited the longest for Nelson. It was 27 years until he returned. <clears throat> so, so in this new work, uh, which I will end in 2019, by the way, because I'm still in process. So in 1 October 2013, I got this dress made. Um, so I have multiples of them. If you like, they look the same. Um, they get made by the same guy. Uh, what it is, um, where I come from, which is just right in the foothills of Lesotho and uh, Maludi, Women get this dress. My mother had this dress when she got married, but in a, in a different version. This is a more modern version um, of a dress that your husband's family gives you when you get married. Um, it's called Ishwesh. Uh, so I, so in, the, in this um, durational performance of mine, I decided that um, my narrative would be waiting for a man who I called Gebani in the narrative. And then really look at the space of waiting without focusing so much on him. Um, and then try and live the stress and, and um, you know, it, it has come at a, with a lot of personal sacrifices as well. Mm -hmm. You know, the, <coughs> the amount of ridicule I guess, that I've gone through um, wearing it. Um, and the fact that people tend to alienate you until you speak uh, because of the way you look, you know. Um, but anyway, it, it has given me a lot of power as well. You know, it's, I get a lot of help when I'm in Joburg. They call me auntie and then they sometimes want to pick up my things when I'm using public transport and... Um, so that means this is a distinctive piece of dress that is recognizable to most people in Johannesburg yeah, yeah, or yes. in South Africa. Yes, and there, when they see it, they know what it means. Yes, and there, and there are a lot of women that have it. Yeah. Downtown in Joburg, yeah. that is. You know? okay. So I, I tend to blend in when I'm downtown Joburg. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. But in, in other spaces, it becomes um, quite challenging, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, and the reason why I decided to have multiples of them, you know, it's, it was really, I guess, an attempt to document all these stories that I, do, I know and I don't know. 
stories that I'll probably will never hear of, of women who wait, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's by choice or yeah. circumstance. Yeah. Um, and I was also quite curious about how they, people watch them while they wait on behalf of this man that is not there. Um, I'd like so, to, okay. if I may, I, I'd like to, to get into uh, the waiting because I think for, for, for people who are familiar with, uh, uh, with uh, contemporary uh, life in Africa, yeah. waiting is a major characteristic. Yes. I mean, you spend half of your time waiting yes. for something. Yes. Now, I mean, and, and of course, that it's, I mean, you can be waiting for, for the bus that is not, not, never arrives. You can be waiting in line for, for uh, in a queue mm -hmm. at a bank that is endless because there are only two cashiers there and 200 people mm -hmm. to serve. You can be waiting for, you know, a paper from an office that is never produced. So waiting as a, as a, as a, as a form of living mm -hmm. is, is, uh, is something that is very present. And I'm, I'm very intrigued by the way you insert it into your work through narratives of your mother, which is only the epitome of all the women that you are talking mm -hmm. about, right? Yeah. Yeah, but tell us a bit more <laughs> than yeah. <laughs> OK, sorry. Um, <clears throat> You know, I've, certain, I've certainly, my father was a policeman when we were growing up. Um, and I remember there's this one woman that uh, he tried to help look for the husband who had gone into the mines um, over a period of three years, you know, until she had to go back. And my father never found this guy, you know. Um, You know, I, I guess when I was also forming this work, I thought particularly about that weight, mm -hmm. you know, and then also holding on to some kind of hope in, within that weight that mm -hmm. eventually your situation will be resolved, that this person will be found, you know, and things will return to um, this, the state in which you, you, you were last with the person. Mm. Um, and also the idea that society also expects you to work. Yes, no, of course, of course, entirely. Yeah. Um. I would like to know how do you, I think that the fact that you're using these text titles, particularly this dress, in a, in a, in a, as you say yourself, in a durational kind of mode, in a, mm. a long-term process, uh, I'm trying to, understand from you how you were translating uh, the idea of waiting, the, I mean, the, the, the real fact of waiting into a materiality, so to speak, you know? Because I see, I see kind of, uh, come on, the uh, resemblances between mm -hmm. the waiting and the sameness of, yes. uh, of, of the dress and the long term of, it, uh, of, of wearing it. Do you understand what I mean? Mm, maybe if you can... I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> understand what you mean. What, 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 yeah. I think I, maybe I could answer you quickly, mm -hmm. because the, because I'd made a reason, I guess, to collect 150 of these dresses. And the ones that I have have been solicited through people who have collected my work and people that I know, and I've asked them to buy me dresses, mm -hmm. you know, so that I could in a way, collaborate with other people while I wait, so that I could make them watch me, mm -hmm. you know, as I wear these dresses and document them. But that wasn't so successful, you know, because people thought I was crazy. Why would I want the same dress every day? It's been four years now I've looked the same. Um, you've seen me several times. <laughs> and um, I, I was walking in the middle of Venice, and someone was shouting my name. I, I met her in New York, in Brooklyn, in a subway. Mm -hmm. But because she marked me with the dress, she knew it, it was definitely Sazeni who she was looking at. Mm -hmm. um, and, 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 I, and I hope every time I've worn the dress, it carries that story of this woman who, because um, it's a very uh, immigrant dress in Joburg mm -hmm. as well. This, mm -hmm. you know, um, 
I've been offered food when I've traveled here in Europe, offered mm -hmm. money, asked if I speak English, mm -hmm. um, offered things for my children, <laughs> toys and stuff. Um, <clears throat> I don't know, we can continue yeah, yeah. with your... Do you, do you think that, uh, I would like you to, that we talk about the textile. Yes. Um, which is uh, a material that I think is so much, that embodies so much of trans, like a transmitter. Yeah. Uh, particularly in uh, in all societies, basically, mm -hmm. it's not just in African societies, but in African societies, but just maybe even more enhanced mm -hmm. because uh, textile have always been, uh, uh, you know, a bearer of stories yes. and uh, a bearer of uh, of knowledge and uh, bearers of uh, of uh, transmission. So, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, so I think it's not a coincidence that. I mean, you could have used any other yes. element in the life of your mother or to, you know, mm. to represent that waiting of yeah. women, but you took a textile. And you work yourself in embroidery. Mm -hmm. All your works are based on embroidery. Can you, can you tell us something about that? When, when I started doing embroidery in my undergrad, this was 1997, mm. uh, <clears throat> I used calico, uh, which is largely woven in India. Um, I've always been interested in colonial cloth, you know, in, in this situation. We call this Ichiremane in our language, my German cloth, which is what I've titled this series of works. It's, it, what do you call it? Ichiremane, my German cloth. Ah, German. Because this has origins uh, in German missionaries. They, they were the first ones to bring this into this villages. Style. Yes, yeah. this type of fabric. Uh, and there's since been quite a lot of it, I guess, you know, and it's modernized. And people have really indigenized this, which is where this dress comes in. You know, because also with the coming of missionaries, you know, the beginning of the conservative way of dressing, mm -hmm. especially for women, you know, covering your shoulders and your chest and your knees. So this dress performs that function of a respectable woman in my society, you know, um, and then certainly because you, you get this dress as a present when you get married uh, to a man. So mm. um, possibly instead of wearing a ring, you'd wear this. And, and every time you appear in rituals, in order for people to understand your position in society and within your family, you'd wear this mm -hmm. dress. Mm -hmm. okay. um, <clears throat> so this is a symbol of status uh, and, and social standing. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I became and also very, of migration somehow. Yes, and, and also of migration, because yeah. people my age wouldn't wear this, mm -hmm. um, especially in Joburg. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and I think uh, I would like to... There is also, I mean, regardless of its uh, sort of innocent look mm -hmm. i mean as a, as you you just said yourself there is so much you know that is projected in it but that also so much knowledge that it bears mm -hmm. but one element that i think uh, comes out of your work and that really caught me when i when i when i started to look at your work is uh, is the silent violence that mm. is underneath it you know mm -hmm. i mean Maybe it would may be interesting to start uh, sh uh, showing some of the mm -hmm. embroidery uh, series. Yeah. Um, this is, this is a, a, a large series of work which started in 2015, looking at the mines. Because the, the Joburg, the mines in Joburg, they are very tragic. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> a lot of men disappeared coming to the mines, mm -hmm. no, not only from where my parents come from, but from all over Africa, you know, would come mm. to Johannesburg um, to search for fortune. Uh, and the city of Johannesburg is certainly a very transitory space. You know, people in Africa dream, well, in most parts, mm. I guess, um, see this as a gateway to the world, Johannesburg, you know, and we're certainly becoming a, a society of immigrants mm. um, where I live. So I, this, this work, um, 
in particular, was about cleaning these spaces, uh, these minds. Mm. You know, um, of all the horror and the lost dreams and the families that disintegrated because of them. Um, so the background is, is drawings that I'd found um, of the reef. All these circles represent where gold was found. Yeah. And, it, and also the discovery of the gold in the reef was responsible for a lot of um, forced removals. Mm -hmm. A lot of people were forced to leave those areas and dumped in what is now called Soweto. Um, when I started out, I wore these blankets. And, um, up until a year ago, when I decided to retire them. You decided because, to retire yes, from wearing yes, it? Yes, <laughs> retire some, some of the clothes, because it was quite heavy. Mm -hmm. um, not because it, this is makes you particularly hot in Joburg, but then it was also the reactions again. Yeah, um, that I was having to deal with when I tried to move around in Joburg. So I, I thought, let me peel these blankets away. This is how I used them when I retired them, where I picked up again drawings of failing slopes. Mm -hmm. Because near- Can you explain that, the failing slopes? Um, I think the audience is not familiar with it. Because of excessive mining, Joburg is sinking. Um, so we have a lot of holes mm -hmm. in Joburg. So there's these drawings um, that you get, and they always update them mm -hmm. as Joburg sinks, especially the reef. Mm -hmm. So they're called failing slopes. So when I retired these blankets, I had 15 of them, uh, uh, by the way. Some I would wear on different occasions when I go to exhibition openings, weddings, mm -hmm. <laughs> during the day. So this was the first blanket that I got. Mm -hmm. um, so it was the first one that I, walked in, I worked on. And while I was doing this drawing, as you can see here, I decided to make them heavy as well by leaving the, the wool, you know, mm -hmm. so that when you carry it, it has a lot of weight. Yeah. Um, it also, again, making reference to the, to the tragedy, I guess, that is left behind in what we're looking at yeah. in Johannesburg. And then, um, because I, I, find, I, I didn't necessarily want to document the journey in photographs and video, that's when I picked up embroidery again, that it would be easy, well, not necessarily easy, you know, but because I could sit there and almost meditate as I saw uh, these narratives. Um, that's very interesting because it relates to just the panel before where yeah. Emmanuel and Hans were talking about how they resisted Instagram yeah, and yeah. how the, the medium anyway sort of caught them up and how they apply it, they use it yes. in kind of in opposition of what the medium is meant to be. Mm -hmm. And you, with a performative practice, resisting photography and, and video as a documenting process and using embroidery, I found it extremely interesting. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, um, I guess in, in between uh, making what I call major work, I make some drawings as well. Um, so I started doing, I have about 150 of these. It's a large series mm -hmm. that, that I did over three months. Where, when I was going through family photographs, I began to notice that their older relatives would have like these this backdrops, you know, fantasy places, whether it was a Birmingham Palace, the Taj Mahal, and they would pose in front of them. So I found backgrounds and then I took photographs. And then there is the man in ink. Mm -hmm. You know, because it, uh, the entire journey, I don't know what he really looks like because he's left for, he's left for so long, you know. Mm -hmm. um, this is the only way I choose to represent him when I do in my work. Mm -hmm. 
as lives, almost abstract. There is the Taj Mahal. Victoria or Niagara? Ah, it's Victoria, the lower base. This is the palace. <laughs> this was a very famous backdrop uh -huh. uh, in Johannesburg when I was growing up, the Birkingham Palace. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and then uh, the most recent work, which is upstairs at the Afrinova stand, um, again, uh, I made a decision at looking at colonial cloth, which is called the gaffer sheet. Uh, um, the pr prisoners, in, because the first prison that we have in South Africa is the Robben Island. Um, and a lot of the Kosa kings who resisted uh, colonial rule were arrested and put in Robben Island. And they were given this cloth because it's quite cold in Robben Island, mm -hmm. which is called the gaffer sheet. So there's a, there's a story that Magana was the first person to attempt to escape Robben Island. And there's quite a number of versions about what happened to him. Some stories say he made the shore and ran into land, and some say he drowned. But it is known that he, he wrapped himself around this cloth to keep him warm as he swam um, across the ocean. And I guess as that story spread, so then does the Gaffer sheet become integrated into Kosa culture. Mm -hmm. You know, um, both as a symbol of resistance, number one, and as a cloth for ceremonies. You know, um, women get married on it. Uh, boys, when they come out of initiation school, are given a piece of this. Uh, people who use it for all sorts of reasons. Um, so when I picked, uh, you'll see the slides this is again another version of waiting watercolor paintings that I did, a series of them. And there's a reason why I never paint the feet. Why is it? Because she's not going anywhere. Um, <laughs> there's no journey to be made. She's waiting in one spot. So this, this is what I, uh, I mean, I, I don't really like calling it the gaffer sheet. I call it umpato, and that's what uh, I prefer titling. I mean, these were um, the latest work that I've done. Uh, again, documenting this process of waiting, uh, where I've really decided to not complete the drawing if that's fault, well, I don't know. It's mm. complete to me, you know. Mm. But because my persona is, is still in a journey that has not reached its end, I'd like to is... to to get at that. I mean, we've been for we've been discussing multiple versions and yes. multiple perspective of the conversation over the last three days, yeah. and uh, and and somewhat I'm I'm very happy that our conversation is closing this because. Mm -hmm. Your work is a, is a, is a performed conversation, yes. but the conversation without, so to, if I may say, without an audience. I mean, it's it's a silent conversation of a, of a waiting woman mm -hmm. with a imaginary, still re, though real kind of man, yes. and uh, and that conversation process, I believe. Is uh, is interesting uh, in so in as much that uh, it brings forward so many uh, elements of uh, of what is usually not said or it's known but not said. You yeah. mentioned pathologies mm -hmm. earlier. Uh, you mentioned psychosis. Mm -hmm. uh, we can I was talking about the violence, mm -hmm. you know, and not necessarily the physical violence, but of course also the physical violence, the, mm -hmm. the mental violence yes. of, uh, of, uh, of that situation. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, 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 the violence of the absence, actually. Yes. So 
which you translate very well also in your work, because I think when you say it's, I mean, you are not feeling it, it's for me, it's a kind of a translation of an absence. Mm. What do you, I mean, what you do, um, you want to say something about that? You know, my, my persona, because I'm, almost, I'm, I'm halfway through the journey, um, I guess when I was making this work, you know, it was really in consider thinking about a lot of things, you know, that... Theodora is neither here nor there. Mm -hmm. uh, there's so many parts missing to a story. Um, when you say... Lack of completion, I guess, yeah. personal completion. Uh, when you say you're halfway through the journey, does that mean that you have, like, a clear plan of, of, a, of a trajectory, of the, rather say of an itinerary? Mm -hmm. Like you started somewhere and you're going somewhere and then you know where you're going? I think in terms of finding Kebane, that um, um, I give, I've given up on. <laughs> it's not, but uh, I would like to collect all the dresses, 150 of them, um, even though it's been a struggle, and, and I guess wear them and, and continue using this. <coughs> I've already started another series, I guess, of this work where the attempt is to have more lines so that as I go on in the story, I complete uh, towards the end. Mm. You know, so that she doesn't appear as this person who's neither here or there, who's missing parts. Um, so the journey now is towards completing Theodora in this type of documentation. Um, um. The, you also do reenactments. Yeah. You're not just doing the the, the performative uh, project of mm. carrying those dresses, yeah. but uh, you also do uh, perform. I mean, reenactments of the waiting uh, in in terms of uh, performance installations mm -hmm. and so on. So uh, how because there are so many multiple. Um, how do you say it in proper English, mm -hmm. uh, practices within mm -hmm. the same body of work, yeah. basically. I mean, there, is, there are the embroidery, the textile work, mm -hmm. uh, there is the performativity of it since 2003, I think, yeah. 2013, actually. Mm -hmm. there, is, uh, uh, there is the reenactment that you, that, you, that you place mm -hmm. in different places. Do, would you like to tell us something about the interrelation of, of, uh, of, uh, of those different practices within the oh, same okay. body of work. Sorry. It's okay. I don't know how to go. I was just uh, we need help. help. I'm a tech idiot. Uh, me too. <laughs> oh, is it gone back? Mm. All right. Yeah. Now mm -hmm. we can leave it. Did you get my question? You know, yes, I did get your question. Mm. You know, when I started this project initially, um, the intention was to make a lot of public interventions. Uh, as Theodora, um, find spaces, I mean, that, that are, are quite overtly ma masculine, like taxi ranks, downtown Johannesburg. Uh, and then after some time, I realized that I would need a lot of protection to be there. Mm -hmm. um, because Johannesburg is very intimidating. Um, and, then, and then I had to kind of modify then um, performing Theodora. Uh, in, into also making a lot of very conscious trips around Joburg. Um, you know, there was a time when I would go with friends to clubs, you know, very high-end clubs, just to go and perform this Theodora, get a lot of attention for myself. Um, uh, and then, I guess out of that, I developed the performance I did in Venice, which is where the photograph comes from. But I don't have documentation of that now, because I don't take photographs when mm. I perform. Mm. Neither do I allow video. It has to exist within that space. Mm. So what I did in Venice, um, I was there. I'll go back to the photograph. I just don't know. Um, So in, I arrived in Venice with 50 of these bags, 
the China bags. So a lot of migrant women carry their luggage here, yeah, going backwards and forward uh, in Joburg. I had a church square where I was going to do a performance and right on the floor, um, all, this th all the things that people had said to me, mm. you know, um, since I started the project. That wasn't very successful because people kept on coming in. Um, it, it's where I was offered food. Um, one couple went to buy me food across the, the road in the supermarket. And there were a lot of people who were coming in asking me, where do I come from? What am I doing here? Um, so I spent a, a, the whole day answering questions. Where would, you tell them? where would you tell them when they ask well, what, what you're doing there? Um, you could push it further. <laughs> I would, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure. curious. Would you tell them that you're an artist of the biennial? You know, I, th I think the first five people that were there, I didn't. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I told them that I'm busy writing on the floor <laughs> um, stories from home. They said to me, but... Why? Can't you write a letter? I said, no, I prefer to do this way. And then they wanted to help me. And, you know, up until I started meeting artists um, who, who pretty much understood then better what I was trying to do. But no performance happened that day mm -hmm. because um, some people asked for the bags because they were marked with my name on the side in the Johannesburg Pavilion. So I ended up giving stuff away. Mm -hmm. um, and then trying to explain what it is that I was doing. So, so, that, so that was meant to have been the first major performance mm. that I did of Theodora and her weight, and it never materialized because of having to deal with those dynamics of people mm -hmm. who um, came with children sometimes, would knock over my bags, um, would walk over the writing I was doing. Yes, please. Uh, I just wanted to really just... Uh, yes, please. Can, can you just wait for the mic and uh, so that... Just in relation to what you were just describing of the performance, were you interested, do you think, in blurring the boundaries between art and life? I mean, were you, were you in a sense inviting them to mistake you for the actual migrant woman, or were you offended that they didn't see that it was art that you were producing? I'm trying to understand your relationship to the anxiety mm -hmm. that your performance in that space obviously produced. Yeah. You know, I, th I think the intention initially was to play with the audience. Um, and then certainly the, these bags, because when I put them there, they were full. So there was this idea that I was carrying um, things with me, you know. Um, I didn't expect the interference. I wasn't prepared for that because I'd marked the entire area with these bags, you know, and, and I'd put myself in an island, you know, to write these things. And because I was doing with chalk, I knew that they would disappear as I go along. Um, but as I say, I never got the opportunity to do that because of the interference. But, they, but it was the intention for them to see that I was an immigrant. Okay, so first I, want you, I really want to thank you for your work because I think your work has been voiced for many other women and, and, and people who are thinking about the sons who've got mothers who have been waiting. So I really want to thank you for your work. Um, secondly, I, I, I struggle a bit um, in getting into the idea of the... The, the, the flesh material that you use mm -hmm. and the comforting blanket. And I'm thinking about the violence that goes with it, but I'm also thinking about the comforting and the, what I consider to be complete but incomplete of just in the execution. And I, I, mm -hmm. I, and I know this is specific in your process because you are now at a place of uh, what you considered halfway your journey. And mm -hmm. I just want you to talk just briefly about what brings you to that place because you still have not found this person. Okay. The, bl the blankets come with the outfit. Um, one around um, your waist, which is much smaller, and the larger one. So they are part of the outfit. 
And, and, I, and I guess because my dress already looked relatively out of place in, in the spaces that I was occupying, the blankets just made it worse. They alienated me further, you know? So it was, it was my, I think retiring them for me was the, me wanting to reintegrate myself mm -hmm. uh, into my society you know, and become more acceptable that if I at least keep my hideous dress and then peel off the blankets, then I would allow people access to me you know, so that they could talk to me instead of dismissing me most of the time. So can you, can, Ina, can you have the mic, please, for the recording? Thank you so much. Um, you're fascinating. So the engagement is part of the performance, and it, it goes on. So yes. the idea of people interrupting in, in Venice, mm -hmm. um, at what stage did, you, did, did that become an interruption? Because now, at one point, you, were, you wanted the engagement in one culture, or I'm, I'm trying to figure at what point for you as the artist who's doing the performance, want the engagement, and at one point you did have control of it. Mm -hmm. How does that work? It became an interference when they started walking right in the space because I'd, I'd created an island for myself with the bags. So the minute they started walking in, that was the beginning of the interference, you know, because it certainly wasn't expected. You know, I thought by putting the bags around me, I was creating a border. You know, I was locking them out. Um, yeah, I hope I answer your question. I got it. Yeah. There, there are three people. Yeah. Um, since any, um, also if you could talk about, um, you were talking about the how do you make uh, waiting material. Waiting, materialized waiting, really the materiality of waiting. Yeah. How do you do it? It's so elusive. Mm -hmm. And so I was wondering about the opposite of that, you know, the ephemeral and the transient and the immaterial, mm -hmm. and how you think of that, because moment by moment, your performance is going on moment by moment, yeah. and it's internal, and it's, it's things that are felt and things that are very difficult to put mm -hmm. into words and into language, and how you think about that. How, how can you talk about something that's so so much about that territory of mm. emotions and feelings. Mm. And, and the other thing that I've been thinking about with your work for a long time is, is, is walking. I mean, there is the stillness of waiting, but there's also the whole thing of walking and you're walking through Joburg. Yeah. And I was wondering about that as, a, as something that's quite philosophical as well, inserting yourself into public space and walking through space as a woman and and really challenging yourself in terms of the spaces that you, that you move through, mm. the discomfort and the anxiety, mm. and whether you've thought about walking as much as waiting and movement. Well, if, I don't know. I, I think that uh, the, the state of waiting uh, the way I see it used or dealt with, not used, dealt with and addressed in, uh, in Senzeni's uh, work has multiple, um, how do you say, I'm always for the lookout for the very right word, multiple uh, uh, status or situations, if I may say so. Mm. So, uh, but you have stopped doing the, the walking and the, the performance. You continue doing that, but and not really anymore at these kind of crowded places, no? No, that just stopped. Um, yeah. yeah. That you stop stopped that. that. Yes, out of security yeah. concerns, exactly. largely. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and that I think what I wanted to, to respond uh, is that uh, the status of waiting doesn't necessarily mean that one is not active, you know. Uh, it, uh, especially in this form of waiting for by, by women waiting for husbands that disappeared or that are gone, mothers waiting for sons that are, are gone, uh, you know, and, and so on. So 
uh, I think it's, uh, it's uh, and this is why I think the Senzeni translated per, uh, magnificently in a way that it is such a mental state that for me has never found really, except for, of course, maybe there, there are certainly other, other practices dealing with that, but she does it in a very, very uh, uh, profound way, materializing this seemingly state of inertia, which is not, you know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, question answered. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, there is a lady, there are two people back then, then we'll get back to you. Yes. Um, thank you very much for such a, um, a very personal um, and quite uh, touching um, account of waiting. And I have one, one comment and one question. So my, my comment is that I've come to a number of um, um, uh, conversation, conversations in the panel. And what I found interesting is that there has been this temporal dimension. So in the first panel, when George was talking about the after, mm -hmm. uh, George Healy was problematizing the after and looking at it as a conjunctural uh, moment. And what I found interesting is that we're now talking about the temporal in terms of waiting. Mm -hmm. So we go from the after to the waiting, which I think that in terms of temporalities um, says a lot about the conversation. I was wondering if maybe uh, you, you want to, maybe, I don't know, say something about it. But my, my question was more um, around another dimension, which to me has really come out very powerful in, in, um, in this present, in this, this, um, um, in this um, piece, pieces of art, in this big uh, oeuvre, which is around affect and temporality. And I was wondering if maybe you want to comment on it. You're looking at me, so you're expecting me to <laughs> answer. <laughs> it is your work, I'm just the interpreter. <laughs> well... <laughs> <coughs> is what's the question? Excuse me. The question is: is the the I, the the affect and the temporality? Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. So that's what I was saying about the Mike. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, uh, I think you should answer. Okay. Let's say about the feelings, moment yeah. by moment. Yeah. Time is moving on, and this performance is moving on, mm. and there are things about it that are difficult to put into words. Yes. Um, mm. You know, I'm, I'm hoping that this work addresses that, um, well, begins to address what um, I cannot verbalize, mm -hmm. uh, that it is evident here in, in our views, this work to portray frustration and angst and sometimes despair and mm -hmm. yeah, and that as time goes, it changes. It changes, mm. but the intensity. Uh, it's actually a very good question. Is that I'm? I would. To push it even further, my mm -hmm. question will be, does the intensity diminish or increase? Mm. Or does it just change texture or shape or feel, you know? I mean, it can't diminish the intensity. Mm -hmm. mm, it... But do you, do, do, does one get... I mean, especially in those situations, in those psychological and emotional situations of mm -hmm. women waiting for men or women waiting for sons mm -hmm. like for many years, I would imagine that you reach a point where you get to a certain kind of numbness, no? Mm -hmm. Where... Everything, I mean, it did not increase, it did not uh, decrease, mm -hmm. but it, there is a certain kind of numbness that's very close to indifference, which is not indifference, of course, but mm -hmm. the pain and the violence and the longing is so strong that yeah. it is numbing it or kind of, a, a numbing, you say that in English, mm -hmm. uh, uh, 
makes it bearable, so to speak. Mm-hmm. What do you think? If I well, now we are stage. getting very psychoanalytical. <laughs> <laughs> but then the issue, um, have I reached that stage where... No, no, not yet. Mm. Not yet. No. There were two I, we were... I, I certainly Mark. have been frustrated, mm-hmm. you know, both as Senzeni mm-hmm. and Theodora at the same time with... Um, and then there has been instances, I guess, where I've thought, let me just take off this dress. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've noticed quite a, quite a number of things when I've, I've been in, in rooms with other women because they spend quite a lot of time prepping themselves up. And, and then when you walk in, looking the way that I do in those spaces, like, how dare you, <laughs> you know? come in so, so plain and not make so much effort. And, and I've suddenly taken, I think a lot of that alienation has is, is, is kind of shocked me at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and that exclusion by body language, these are people who wouldn't say anything but then begin to move away as I come in. Um, but despair, not yet. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. We can take two more interventions, then we really have to wrap up. My question is kind of simple. I'm just asking, what would you think is the, is the positives or negatives that's being produced from your work? As in from, not to say from anybody else, but just from mm. yourself. Hmm. I haven't thought of it that way, black and white. Uh, I think I think maybe for me, the bulk of the negative has been reactions from other people that I didn't expect. You know, even though I fairly understood that it would be a difficult journey, but some of them have been have been quite harsh. Um, the positive, it's all the travelling that I've had to do. Like as as an artist, um, extending the story, you know, and 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 also having the ability to continue working on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also because I'm, I'm going to end it in October 2019. Um, and the journey, I guess, of... Are the dates kind of specific markers that represent yes. something? Yes. Because you started October... 1 20, October. Uh, October 2013. 2013. Yes. And then you end October 2019. Yes, first of October. So that's seven years mm-hmm. or six years. It's six. Six or seven? Yes, six. six, yeah. So are there, there, is there any significance that we should understand behind those markers? My mother arrived in Joburg 1 October 1966. Mm-hmm. So it's the reason why the 1 October is kept. Okay. Mm. And why six years? Is that true? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> That's what she's answered. <laughs> well, there's two people, then we really have to stop. Yeah. So, my um, comment isn't necessarily a question, it's more of an observation and something that I really liked is that um, from my time that I've spent in African countries, you do feel a sense of waiting, and you mentioned it, you know, whether you, one thing I noticed is that you see women in the daytime dressed, ready, on the road, and be waiting for a car, waiting for a bus, or something like that. And this process of waiting is so interesting because there's the performative side of it, where, whereas in funerals, you might have a woman who's not allowed to leave the house for, say, a month or so, well, until the actual funeral. And although waiting is discussed here in despair, and it's a trying process, I think there's a power in that presentation of being able to wait. And it shows that you might be, a, you know, maybe a disciplined woman or very, you know, adhering to traditional rituals and customs. Um, so I do think there's a, a strength in this, this process of waiting and performing the waiting, although it's not directly linked to what you're exploring. Mm-hmm. Um, one other thing I really took to is the anonymity in the... These, 
these um, line works because it feels as though they, in a way, document a cohesive community of women, which you can't really see whether it's one. It feels as though, because there's not detail in colour such, the outlines feel as though it could be an anonymous woman commenting on lots of women's kind of experience. That's just what I felt. And I really like it. Thank you. There is a gentleman here. It's the last one. Okay. Um, my, my first of all observation. Um, I saw her, the, I think it's the opening day, and she stood out, actually. You know, amongst everybody around, I, not, I noticed she stood out in my, you know, to my observation. And um, hearing her talk, first thing I noted here was um, creating, an, uh, creating an identity through fashion. Now I, I have seen what she's presented, and I want to ask if, does, does color influence your choice of dresses? One, then two, just out of curiosity. Um, while doing your work, what, have you, what nicknames have you earned, and do they, will they possibly influence um, your direction of your work? Huh? No, the nicknames, no. I mean, <laughs> I guess it, it, they come largely from frustrated aunts and cousins when I've shown up at family weddings with this dressing. <laughs> and family functions. Um, you know, the color red, it's for a lot of reasons that I use it. Um, I guess one of them, my father, who's still alive, uh, was born in the years of the red dust. This is years of the red dust. So this is a time when they were recruiting young men from the villages in the Eastern Cape, taking them to the shore in Port Elizabeth to go to the Second World War. And because his, his parents uh, were not literate, uh, well, couldn't read and write at the time, that's how they would mark the births of children. So that's a period of six years. So my father was born in one of those days. Mm -hmm. um, same thing with my mother. There's no one sure date. And certainly when they came to Joburg, they were, they were given dates and sometimes names if they were not quick enough to call them out. Mm -hmm. um, so the color red is there to mark that, that period where people it's not only my father alone, it's multiples of black people who, um, I, I, I don't know if it's that important to them to know exactly how old they are, what it does mm -hmm. for them. But my own father generally doesn't know mm -hmm. uh, to this day exactly how old he is. But we know that he was born when soldiers were going to the Second World War, uh, going to take the sheep uh, in, Cape, in Port Elizabeth. Um, yeah, so it's, that's the number one reason. Um, and number two is to make um, reference to Imbola. It's this uh, small, don't know what to call it now. Clay. Yes, the clay, clay kind of, that women put to cover themselves up mm -hmm. uh, in the Eastern Cape. You know, it's also a marker of status. Um, and also a symbol of oppression as well, mm -hmm. because women who have put that on, they've certainly stopped these days in Joburg. Mm -hmm. um, you know, 10 years ago, you'd see them walking around in Joburg with it on. People call them all sorts of names uh, when they have that on. And also the color of blood. Mm -hmm. uh, I consider that uh, as a woman. Mm. So I, I don't remember painting in color or working in any color except for red. I haven't seen it. <laughs> so it's been largely red, I guess, yeah. because of those color. But more important is just to mark that period of not knowing mm. um, the exact dates um, of gaps also in history. Because it was years until my own grandparents found out about the Second World War. Mm -hmm. Um, and they were directly implicated in it. Well, thank you so much, Sinzeni. Yeah. I think 
there is, uh, yeah. Uh, these artist talks at Forum are meant really to give the audience a direct insight and access mm -hmm. to a, an artist practice. Mm -hmm. And uh, thank you for sharing this. And uh, we finally made yes. it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, everybody, for adhering to forum it was the last talk and uh, hope to see you next year under another curation since i'm stepping down thank you, thank you. <laughs>